0: Hey human. Play some music. To another episode of Revision, where we like to talk about the future of the future. My name is Tree Prasad, and I am here with my co-host Grayson
1: Scott. How are you doing, everybody? How are you, Tree? <laughs> <laughs> you just froze on me. I like. <laughs> um... I looked. I looked at Tree. We're, we're, I'm not going to cut this because I thought that was actually really funny. <sighs> She's like, yeah, "I'm here with Grayson Scott," and then it was a deer in the headlights. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually really funny.
0: Well, to get back on track, this is the part of the episode where we like to talk about something cool that we may have come across, something that was inspiring, something that's like a propeller. Yeah. So I want to pose the question to you, Grayson. What cool thing did you come across this have I year? found a
1: couple cool things. In fact, this was one of the first weeks that I had trouble picking. Like, I really That's always found... the
0: hardest part, right? Yeah. Picking I... what you want to talk about.
1: Yeah. I really had a trouble, because the minute that you open your mind and you start saying... Okay, brain, go find me cool things. You start finding cool things. And I mm-hmm. literally had trouble finding something. So I, I'm going to talk about something that there's, there's no way the average person, when they hear what I'm going to talk about, is going to think this is the future, right? I, and honestly, when I first started looking into this, I thought this is ridiculous. What is this,
0: Grayson? Tell us. I, I'm
1: getting there. I'm building up tension, right? <laughs> right? So people are on the edge of their seat going, we are so excited to hear about this. Uh, or they've tuned out, so either way, it doesn't matter. <laughs> um, what I'm going to talk about, and I'm holding it in my fat little hands, is the thing called the NeuroPhone. Now, it's not a phone, it's a pair of headphones. Now, that's the thing. In the last few years, headphones have changed dramatically. Like, it, like think about it. A few years ago, everybody had those white-corded uh, headphones that came uh, you know, with your iPhone, and those are terrible headphones. Like, as mm-hmm. somewhat of an audiophile, I'm very I'm very picky about music and audio and speakers and stuff like that. Even in my home, like, I'm very picky about everything. And then the Beats came out. And Beats are phenomenal. And then, of course, there's always been Bose and all this stuff. And I own literally a pair of headphones from every conceivable company. I have a studio set up in my home, so I have studio headphones. So I have pro-grade headphones so
0: either you're a sucker or you're just a very big consumer
1: I'm a big consumer okay. but when you're writing music honestly when you're writing music it's a big deal uh to make sure that you it's a hear tool for you right yeah okay. so it, it it is a big difference between um you know really capturing like especially with, like if you're orchestrating something you really need to hear all the layers that you're working on so neurophone so think of it as having earbuds and an over-the-ear headphone, mm-hmm. right? So the earbuds go in, and the, over, and the over-the-ear headphones, all built into one, have amazing bass so that you, that you actually hear something. But, but that's just a headphone. What makes this really futuristic is they actually do a... The first thing that they do is a hearing test on your ear to examine how you actually hear. Mm-hmm. So you put the headphones on... And they start pick, think of it like when you go to uh, the doctor, and they start playing the high tones mm-hmm. bli- tava- of Loyal整体- bueno- ata- throat- right. They do that, and it actually creates a they they get feedback from your ear about what you hear, whether you hear highs or lows, or uh, you know whether whether you need more sound in the in the mid range or all of the stuff.
0: Completely customized for completely
1: you. Completely customized, mm-hmm. um, which is just, I mean, it's that's not that complicated. Essentially what they're doing is taking an EQ and setting it based upon how you hear. It sounds amazing. Like, it sounds so good. I um, i got them two nights ago, and I, I, put, I went through the whole process, got them set up, sound amazing. And since then, I have been going through my entire library of music. Uh, and re-listening to almost every single song that I have, because I'm hearing so much more. Uh, The Hamilton soundtrack, Mm -hmm. unbelievable. Like there's, uh, I I don't know if you know Hamilton at all, but there's the second cabinet battle where they're talking, uh, and there's this bass section that I have never heard. And I've Mm -hmm. listened to that so many, many times. I have never heard all of these different layers that are in this music and with all this music that I know very well that I can play that I've studied I don't I am now hearing a, it's a whole, whole new experience layers. and it's a, it's incredible so I highly recommend that but the other part about this that I think is incredibly innovative and I think is really futuristic is the pricing model hmm. it's based on a rental economy thinking meaning I pay $12 a month and I just rent these headphones out. Mm. And at the end of two years, whatever the latest and greatest headphones are, they just give them to me. And let's say I don't want to pay for them. Like I get to a point like, you yeah, know. Yeah, what I'm do you
0: do when you don't want to use them for a little while?
1: Yeah, you just go and you turn off the subscription. And as soon as you don't pay, they turn off the headphones We've remotely. Break the headphones. So the headphones don't work. But it really is a new way it's of thinking changer. about the economy and the way that things can be priced. Because if you actually pay the $12 a month mm-hmm. for two years, you actually um, are paying less money than if you paid the $400 upfront. And I gotta tell you, the headphones sound absolutely amazing. So I put a video up on our website, which is uh, revision.nyc. Uh, go check it out, and you can see the video of uh, uh, how, how they test, and uh, I pulled some quotes for them. So you can go check that out uh, and, and really get into this. And I'd love to hear what people have to say about this. Uh, cause I'm, I love it.
0: You look so giddy right now. I'm You're like so all happy. Like, I know.
1: Yeah. Um, and we should say that we're recording, we, we record this in, uh, in an office, uh, in wall street. And so, you know, sometimes we get background noise. So I'm hearing lots of background noise and, Me too. and I can't, Give this whole speech about being an audiophile and not talk about the giant elephant that's wandering around, stomping back and forth and screaming in your earbuds in the office. And all I can hear is that, and not pay attention to what I'm saying. Anyways, that's mine. What did you find?
0: So, mine is actually, I saw this on the the subway. Um, It was an advertisement for a product called Mirror. Mm-hmm. And what it is, it's an interactive home gym, and I'm I'm just thoroughly, thoroughly excited about it because I'm one of those people who loves boutique fitness. I see the benefits. It's just a fun way to de stress and kind of be guided at the same time. I particularly like rowing and spin. So I know people make fun of me all the time because I do these kinds of things, but it's just it's just a fun way for me to like. Why do, th- why,
1: why do they make fun of for? Those seem perfectly like almost every woman I know does spin.
0: I don't know. There's like this little bit of stigma for like I don't want to I don't want to shout any specific brands out, but like the spin classes is like the kind of culty. Oh, very culty. You know culty. the yeah, cultiness yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. Dark room spinning, sweating with strangers. You know, it's kind of weird, but I don't think it's weird at all. You know, it's, <laughs> I, I like that.
1: No, by the way, did you see Kimmy Schmidt on uh, on her whole? Uh, I did. Wasn't I was that amazing. That was pretty great. on the cult of the bicycle. Okay, that go was ahead. Pretty
0: great. But um, it's just I want to be more motivated to do self led exercising, and. This product, Mirror, just seems like a great idea. It's, like, perfect for me. It's almost like they made it just for me because I want to I wanna become a morning person. I just put this on my Instagram, but I want to become a morning person and I want to do my workout at home and then kind of, like, leave earlier and, like, kind of have my my day to myself. And the coolest thing is that it seems like you can, you can work out at home, you can measure your progress, you can perfect your form because it's a mirror and you can see yourself and you can see you.
1: Now, for those those that don't know what it is, describe a little bit about what the experience is, yeah, totally.
0: The- so, um, it's basically um one of those standard target it looks like a standard target mirror. it's um it's like the size of your head to like your knees. And basically, you prop it on the wall. It, there's a freestanding one, and there's also, like, a, one that you can nail on the wall. And basically, when you're not using it, it's just a mirror, uh-huh. right? But when you turn it on, you can activate it through your smartphone, and basically, it becomes an interf- interface of, like, a dashboard, something you can follow along with. So whereas before you kind of like take your iPad and you prop it up on the couch and you do like push-ups and burpees and whatever, no, that's the past, right? Now, now you get to see yourself, you get to see your stats, you kind of get to track them, and you also see someone in front of you, kind of in an augmented reality
1: aspect. Yeah, that's the part. The, that I, I think
0: know, is cool. yeah, I know. I'm just super excited about it, and I just found out that their showroom is in Flatiron, and. You can go and um, sort of do like a customized workout demo. So if you see me wearing leggings tomorrow, to
1: work, okay, it's probably because if I you wet, do but... that, you have to uh, record, record it. Okay, it, And we'll put sure. it up on we'll... the social media sites.
0: Awesome, I will do that. Um...
1: Which you can find on all the sites you can find revision NYC that little plug for us totally but you have to do that that'd be amazing
0: okay I'm gonna I'm gonna plan for it um this is what I need to get me motivated in the morning you know sometimes there's like there's like this annoying part where you're like oh, I have to put on workout clothes and then I have to take the train and then I have to or you have to find parking or whatever mm-hmm. you sometimes you get waitlisted for a class sometimes you're like two minutes late and you miss the class and you just paid $35 for like a rowing class and now you were late and you can't go and that's on you you know what I mean yeah you don't get your money back so, um, I mean, just the monetary um, aspect aside, I just think it's like really cool that it's custom and um, you can learn about your body, which I is really important for me. I think it's fascinating.
1: Yeah, I think it's a fascinating. I think it's a great. I see them on the subway all the time too. Yeah. And I think f- what I always think when I when I when I look at those is like, what do you think the next step is on this?
0: Oh, yeah.
1: Like, like, did you see Madonna's performance? Um,
0: did I see Madonna's performance? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I,
1: I see these, I see the uh, um, ads for the, and I, I'm fascinated by it. Um, because I think if you combine this with like an augmented reality. Right. Then suddenly you have a 3D model that that can actually be doing these workouts with you.
0: Personal trainer at home. Yeah, yeah. Weren't you saying that you recently wanted to get back into um, your routine a little bit?
1: Yes. Okay. So I was going to tell... I was going (laughs) to... This is a funny story. Okay. So I used to have a personal trainer and I used to... I worked out all the time. Like literally hardcore weights four times a week. I hurt my Achilles pretty bad. And so for a long time, I was very stationary. I mean, I, you know, I, I could barely get down the stairs and I couldn't definitely not be able to lift weights. So I am now getting back into that. I'm going to start. I'm just, and I was going to tell you, cause I knew you were going to talk about this. I was going to like issue a challenge that I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, like I'm going to, I'm going to work out as much as you. I'll, yeah. I'll challenge you. Um, and I'll do it. I'll officially You have an Apple year.
0: watch, right? We can share I our I do stats. have Apple
1: watch. However you want to do it, yeah. we can, we can start this little contest. Okay. And I decided that I was going to do that this week. And, uh, I was under a tight deadline, so I didn't get to go today. And I'm like, okay, today is the last day of the old me. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm very excited. I went over there and the, got a club set up. It's right next to work. So I'm going to really nail this and I'm going to work out as much as you. I challenge you to whatever kind of, like, she's already in amazing shape, <laughs> I am not like they would need two of these mirrors for me to see myself. Okay. Oh, right? They would have to start piling things on. We have different goals, so whatever kind of contest that you want to come mm-hmm. up with, feel free, and I will I'll be very competitive. Okay. Uh, but I was I was thinking this today, like okay, last day of the old me. I'm gonna go try. A donut in Grand Central Station. There's this place that sells really expensive donuts. Uh, And I'm like, I've always wanted to try it. And I thought, you know what? That's going to be my little gift to myself. Today's the last day because I'm not going to do this. The
0: last donut. Moving
1: forward. And I'm like, I I went and got it and I put it on my desk and I'm hiding it and I'm ashamed Uh, that I'm eating this donut. I would have shared it with you. and, and, And suddenly Patricia appears at my desk and she's like, what you got there you you, you got a donut you you, you got a donut there you fat bastard and I was like oh I totally got caught was
0: your voice on the head that wasn't me (laughs) I literally just said is that for me (laughs) (laughs) yeah
1: and uh so uh it it was funny just so anybody in the office I would have came forward it had to be you going because I knew I was going to tell you like I'm okay this is it uh so yeah so I'm that
0: person like a meerkat when food comes on the floor I'm like
1: pizza yeah, you know? your your metabolism is crazy. I've I've seen you thank eat you, Mama, thank like you for an the gene. insane amount of food, and then like, I don't know. I I if I eat like a potato chip, five pounds gained. It's Aww. amazing. So I'm motivated
0: by working out. Honestly, like I just love being active. I hike, I camp, I work out. Yeah. You know. So it's just well, you've
1: inspired me. So, uh, the future of Grayson will hopefully be a lot less of Grayson. <laughs> Are you excited about today's guest?
0: I'm so excited. Yeah,
1: I am too. So, I first started talking with her um, two, three weeks ago, mm-hmm. and uh, she is a former executive at uh, Showtime, and she has her own business uh, that is that is really innovative and really kind of cool. But our guest is Virginia uh, Giuliano, and uh, uh, we're going to talk about the future of television.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty exciting stuff. I
1: and and. From the last conversation, clearly, clearly I sit down and watch a lot of television. So, this is a, this is a subject. Close You're the to my perfect argument. target audience for this episode. I'm, a, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'm so excited to be speaking with. Virginia Giuliano today. She is the founder of CobbleCord. Hi, how are you guys?
1: So excited to have you here. I, I have to tell you, I've been... When did we originally speak? We spoke about, what, two weeks ago? Yeah, a few two, weeks, ago. Two, three weeks ago. Well, you had a conference in between.
2: I've had several conferences, The yes.
1: OTT conference.
2: Well, yes, the OTT uh, video executive. Yeah,
1: oh, I want after. to talk to you about We'll get into that. Let's, um, let's back
2: up a
0: little. Can we define some terms?
1: Okay, okay, okay.
2: What
0: is OTT?
2: Well, OTT is actually over-the-top video. So that means that um, it's basically uh, when people stream video without a cable subscription necessary on the Internet. So it could be via... your any device uh, that connects to the internet, like so Apple phone, TV, Roku, your all those. your phone, your computer, oh, okay. your television, your connected television, an Apple TV, a Roku, an Amazon Fire Stick, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So they're they're sort of proliferating, gotcha. but yeah, over the top is uh, is becoming more and more popular with with everyone, and um, to the point where there, there are a lot of streaming services out there and. People are getting confused. So CobbleCord is a, a free website and app that helps consumers uh, figure out which streaming services they should cobble together. Um, so they answer a couple of questions about what they like to watch, how they like to watch it, what internet scenario they favor. So they, do they favor um, you know, Wi-Fi or wireless? Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, m- maybe most importantly, their monthly price range that they want to spend. Um, and so we have uh, a patented system that crunches all that information, and we have a very uh, detailed database behind it that tells people, okay, these are the streaming services that you should um, cobble together, both free and paid, I should mm-hmm. say. We're also a central repository of streaming information for all of all the streaming, streaming services. services.
1: Yeah, and I have to say, I, I went through your process. Um, I went through and I really liked it. I actually found... My f- the the there was, it was kind of the feedback kind of came in two sections. Mm-hmm. The first section, um, I was it was actually pretty right on. I was like, oh, well, that's cool. This she this really nailed my I don't know viewing personality. Mm-hmm. But then the second section was like, you maybe had you hadn't thought about these. Yeah. And I actually uh, got a couple based upon that. So that's
2: fantastic to hear, and that's yeah. extremely gratifying. And it's telling me that you know we're constantly making tweaks to the database and to the algorithms behind yeah. it.
1: Now, so there, there were two different sections. What were, what were the two sections that you have on your site? So
2: the first section, we give you a selection of streaming services that are within your price range and meet the criteria that you had outlined in your inputs. And then uh, we have the second section, which I think is pretty cool because it tells you you may not, you know, these are services that may not be in that first tier. They may be out of your price range or, you know, whatnot. But we, we make you aware of them as well. And I find it's a really great discovery tool for people. Mm-hmm. And as you said, mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. know, Grayson, that, you know, there were services in, you know, in, particularly in that grouping that you hadn't been aware of that were touching on things that you were interested in.
1: Yeah, so. but let's talk a little bit um, about the state of... I don't even know what to call. Honestly, I don't know what to call it anymore. Um, Treat in our pre-production meeting threw me off. I was going to say let's talk about the state of television, but t- t- let's talk a little bit about what you were you were saying. For and and we'll t- we'll talk about how I view television, and then we'll we'll talk about how she views television, and then you can kind of tell us about how the industry is adapting to a little bit of this. Sure. But honestly, my version of television is locked into um, the wonderful world of Disney. Let's Mm -hmm. let's use that as an example. As a kid, on Sunday nights, the entire family would gather. We would have a bowl of popcorn, and we'd all sit down, and we'd watch whatever the three networks were giving us. Mm -hmm. But it was the entire family, and essentially the entire family kind of had to decide what was going to watch because we only had a couple televisions, so when it it was very much a communal experience. And I still view television as a communal experience. My girlfriend and I, we have these things where it's like, oh, don't watch that show without me.
0: Hmm, same.
1: Right? Mm-hmm. But what you were talking about, talk about it a little bit, how you see the future of television going.
0: I mean, I didn't exactly have um, the same experience watching TV as you did when you were growing up. For, for me, it was kind of like um, six o'clock was my hour, and then seven o'clock was my brother's hour, like whatever. And- we didn't really converge at all because he wasn't interested in what I was watching. But I, I made a joke that was like, is television to become the landline of the, the future homes, you know? It's like yeah. if you go into someone's mm. home today and you kind of see a, a landline, you're kind of like, hmm, a landline. Because I don't have a landline. Do you have a landline? No. landline, Grayson? Do you have a landline? I do still have a landline. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm not knocking it, right? But my... My aunt recently moved. It hasn't moved. been that
1: long since I had one. No, no
0: it's true. Just in it's case true. there's yeah. another blackout, I'm still remembering from, <laughs> right? from that. Reaching for your three-way walkie-talkie, you know? <laughs> but um, they now put TVs in almost, well, I shouldn't say TV. I should say video players in almost, almost anything, right? They're in the fridge. The, the fridge doors have them. Microwaves have them. You know, you're walking around with one in your pocket. And that's just the thought that I had that in the future, we may not be gathering around a box, You know,
2: I I think what you're both saying is really correct. And I think that's the beauty of it is that um, I I always say that streamers and and viewers or users of today are like snowflakes. Um, They're all different. They all have different patterns, different needs. But also, you know, it depends on the, the day of the week, the time of day. It's it's different. So you really need the flexibility Right. to um, kind of do that all and you know I've I've seen a lot of research that uh, I don't think TV uh, the appliance is dead you know right. I think that the, the the research is showing that people will gravitate towards the best available screen right? Right. right so if they are at home and they have a large screen available they will tend to watch that um, but, you know, it's also being able to watch snippets while you're waiting online or you're on the train or you're on the oh, bus. Yeah. Right. Or, you Take know, it so there's you. all degrees of that. And mm-hmm. going back to what you said about, you know, don't watch, mm-hmm. don't watch that without me. Um, my husband and I have the same conversations, but we also have the flip side of that where I'll say, oh, I want to watch this. And he's like... Watch that without me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) He doesn't want any part of it. So it's you know being able (laughs) to have those sort of levers that you could pull and change and have that flexibility.
0: That's key, and that's that's the future. Customization is vital for the future users of video. Yeah, totally. Right.
1: What what I find really fascinating is the idea that let's the biggest like television of recent history. Let's say Game of Thrones. Just about everybody I know watched that by themselves, right? Like, there were viewing parties, and I know there were viewing parties, but it the, the shift from a, a communal experience to an individual experience. And right now, you have parents in individual rooms watching on the phone, watching iPads, kids watching their individual experience and becoming this individual experience. And what was really interesting, I think Conan O'Brien was the one who said it, was that he, he no longer considers his competition Jimmy Kimmel – he considers it that one guy in a basement that got 10 million views on YouTube. <laughs> and that's a fascinating thing for someone who you know a television veteran to go wait a second, the box, the the network that's feeding through a box. Maybe that that model is over. How how, how are people thinking about that?
2: Well, I definitely think that model is up for grabs mm-hmm. right now. Um, you know, it's there's there's so much available. And the barriers to, to entry are gone. You know, anybody, as you said, can can put up a YouTube cha- YouTube channel and have you know good um, you know it, it, good enough equipment to make it watchable. and yeah. there's so much so much content available. And um, you know it's just that it, it, but going back to your point about you know watching things together and people watching Game of Thrones alone, uh, I mean I've, I've heard mixed things on that, people watching together and but here's the the technology element that, that you know, you have to remember. People are tweeting about it and, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, while it's while Life it's airing live. So there's sort of right? there, there there is this form of communal viewing in some in some ways. I think though, your point to your point, I think Game of Thrones was the end of the era of massive community, communal viewing. Yes, I could think that that was the bookend.
1: Why do do you think that?
2: Because I think it actually, that show was big enough uh, and had such a broad audience and it bridged, you know, sort of the pre-streaming era with the post-TV era, if you will. And it sort of, you know, took... The audience across that, but I don't, to my knowledge, there is not the equivalent
0: right. uh, coming up that has such I a mean, mass. I totally agree with you. Mm-hmm. I, I started watching Game of Thrones April, right? April like 3rd or something, right? And I was up to date with Game of Thrones by the end of April. And that was the fastest I've ever watched TV in my life. And I'm telling you, I, I watched it everywhere. I watched it on the train to work, I watched it between meetings. I watched it between meetings, mm-hmm. and I even, like, watched it, like, when, when I was just kind of, like, s- taking an elevator or something like that, and I got through it. Did just really? Yeah. I would oh, just my have God. That's such a pet peeve You know, of the, the, the app? I know. I'm sorry. I just really had to catch up. <laughs> I, you had a very limited <laughs> yeah, time frame. Yeah. exactly. No, actually. Yeah. It's
1: a pet peeve of mine, and we've talked about this. I'm uh, everything that you our... peeve
0: in the world, you know? What?
1: I'm everything that you No, do. no, no, no. <laughs> this is, we, our we uh, episode that we have with Tricia, who's a therapist. One of the things that we talked about was the fact of phones and my pet peeve of people actually watching video, watching a television program, walking down the street. I, and oh, I don't do that. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I waiting for just see for you an watching elevator. Game of Thrones, bumping into traffic. Oh, and just... no. But you were watching Game of Thrones in the elevator at work?
0: I was. I mean. That's amazing. The me. elevators are slow. You know, yeah, you true. have like five minutes, you just punch it out, you know? So just thinking about networks and how much power they have, would you say that creators or high-end YouTube creators, are they challenging networks for their power? We could
2: discuss and debate You know, what age group that audience is. It's, right. it's definitely, uh, it, it skews older. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to reach a, a younger demo, you're going to have to you know, I'm talking from an advertiser perspective, right, right. particularly, you're going to have to really work hard to get that big right. Enhance hit. those
0: experiences yeah. with, like, interactions and all that stuff. I mean,
2: there's there's a lot of benefit to, to I mean, going more niche and, and more targeted. But if you're trying to, like, you know, and, and there's an argument that that whole heyday of, you know, mass, mass advertising and yeah, these big consumer brands, yeah, that's that's that would do, gonna... you know... Do a very limited uh, you know advertising run and get in and get out um, that that's questionable whether that's you know mm. sustainable as as well
1: i because I have a couple friends that that are uh, um, line producers mm-hmm. and and they're asking the question, how do we pay for all of this content how How do we uh, create a show and find a way that we can actually pay for it? And that's and no one has this answer. No, no one yeah. knows the answer yet.
2: No, it's still it's still very much evolving, and, yeah. and there are, there are a lot of business models that are are being uh, explored in the streaming space. I mean, you true. know, um, AVOD, which is advertising supported video on demand, SVOD, which is subscription video on demand, and you know various shades between. And you know, freemium model, different tiers of advertising—they're mm. all sort of experimenting. Mm-hmm. And it's really interesting. Seeing what people will put up with, you know. Yeah, and I think it depends on your target audience too, <laughs> yeah. and and how open they are to advertising and the social—you know—the social, um, uh, you know, social contract construct of advertising, and exchange right. of—you know, you watch this and then you get it for free, like. I think younger folks are not completely on board with that
0: right Um, they want the something for nothing kind of thing yeah
2: yeah so they so they have to find ways to make it palatable in some way and 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 monetize it which it's challenging
1: yeah Mm -hmm. and I think that that actually leads us to kind of a big area uh, that that I know you're gonna want to get into we were just talking about your article that you wrote uh, regarding the UX design of uh, um, of all the platforms and both Patricia and I are UX designers. Um, but I thought your article was excellent, so we'll let you talk okay. about that. Um, but I will say that with all the different platforms, we're seeing such a lack of creativity that they're fi- the, the one person who kind of does it well, we see everybody following them. Hmm. Like net- where, uh, Netflix's interface. Um, not the current one. They added a new sidebar uh, of stuff, but but... They're they're really they really first really good interface. Um, it really still kind of leads. Hmm. Um, I think I think the way that you see everybody following in. And where I find this fascinating is we're changing the way stories are told. We're changing the way we're digesting stories, which is a basic fundamental human thing. But the problem is, like when we when we talk about this, how do you find stuff? Oh, <laughs>
2: major major problem so just to back up for a moment the the article that you were Mm -hmm. referencing was in um the spring issue of ott executive magazine and it was called a call for more user control over the streaming ux so it totally that's that's a charged
0: title (laughs) fully charged (laughs) it it
2: touches on what you guys do as well um and so you know a lot of the original Navigational tools and AI that was that was integrated into these streaming services are not necessarily doing the trick. I there you know I think yeah. there was a PwC um, survey that recently came out that said ninety percent of streamers are dissatisfied with with the um, navigational the and recommendation mm-hmm. stuff that that they're being served to. And, um, you know, I think that, that just illustrates how poor of a job mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot right. of these these UX and, and AI things are, are doing. So, you know, my, my argument was let's borrow from, now that, you know, we're at a point of all this massive uh, libraries, let's borrow from some of the, the lean forward um you know, e commerce businesses that did that perfected right. um, these techniques and use, you know, filtering, self curation, sorting to absolutely, um, I would love that to really, you know, to surface this what you want to watch. And you can't really lean back, as I mm. always say, until you have you know what you're going to watch, then you can lean back, yeah, you know, and almost, you can.
0: I almost Take feel like in. part of the problem is the remote, right? A remote is very like analog and um It's very clunky. The right. remote control is right. very clunky. Right. I yeah. actually use um when I access some um, TV streaming services, I use my P- PS whatever controller, mm-hmm. and it has like the trackpad on it, and yeah. I love that. That's like the a best lo- thing. A lot ever. of people are sitting in front of their big television, yeah. this giant screen, and
2: life. they have their laptop, and they're not, you know, they're doing searches yeah. on their laptop yeah. because it's it's more it's a it's a better right. um, vehicle. But I I think that there's ways around yeah. that and to. To, to, and to, users
0: will learn. They'll learn. You know yeah, I, mean? I think mm-hmm.
2: there's there's more creativity that needs to be done in these navigational elements. Um, and oh, I totally. think, uh, honestly, the streaming services are becoming a little too heavy-handed and reliant on AI. And the endless rows of, oh, of, no. of, of you know, maybe you want to watch this. maybe, and maybe they all know.
0: start looking the same after, like, the third <laughs> right. swipe. <Yeah>. and <laughs> some
2: of those micro-genres are just bizarre Uh, you know it's like
0: creepily specific you know
1: (laughs) (laughs) extremely and and ux design position the reason why we're in the position we are is television used to be such a small screen right so when you back in the day when it was a four by three ratio you know that 600 by 800 having a remote that actually moved up and down the screen was very problematic Mm -hmm. and i remember designing for that and it was very troublesome, the fact that you needed to have a level of accuracy on those small screens, but any slight movement would, would take you way off. Mm-hmm. So you, you were actually having problems. But now, what you said about the people on their laptops, we have so many computers readily available to us that we have to stop thinking that the control of something needs to rest within that device. So in other words, Mm -hmm. my my favorite remote is my phone. But there's so much that it could be doing. It could be interacting more. uh, So if you have a genre, and one of the things I liked was your filtering options. Trying to get a remote and actually use your thumb and to get up to have a pull-down screen and stuff has proven really problematic for users. Right, right. But not on the phone. You could actually be having a much more interaction between the phone and the television that would give you a great user experience that's a great point
2: that's a great point but you know what there are other there are other solutions as well you know even without if you if you know it depends once again on on the user Mm -hmm. how comfortable they are you know going toggling back and forth between devices um, you know, stuff like check boxes. What about that? You know, like mm-hmm. Zappos, for instance, does a fantastic job of, you know, multi-tiered filtering.
0: I love Zappos' I filtering, <laughs> and, yes.
2: And it's like every woman I know loves <laughs> Zappos, me too. And, uh, you know, like you can really zero in yeah. on I want a, you know, three-inch he- heel that's a wedge and an open toe in blue. Mm-hmm. And they don't show you everything at once. And it's, you know, it's pretty it's pretty intuitive. Imagine being able to do that with, uh, I think in my article I mentioned, you know, Sandra Bullock movies from the 80s or 90s mm-hmm. and, you know, sort it by director and, you know, is it a comedy? Is it... So just being able to have that capability, particularly on your television set, um, I think is is possible. Mm-hmm. But i I think there's a degree of resting on laurels mm-hmm. that
0: you know um if i could think back in my mind um to like when when was the first notable dynamic ui for tvs mm-hmm. i would say the tv guide right where it was mm-hmm. like a very long list and you could go oh up you mean and down. built into
1: like the the comcast box yeah. The rich, yeah 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 yeah
0: or any sort of cable mm-hmm. subscription where you could just go up and down you can kind of like turn it to like premium or whatever right right so how how far have we gone from that to where Netflix is now? It's almost like we've done half of the work and then gave up.
1: Hmm. When, when we talk in a UX language, everything that you see in every one of these things is a thing called a tile, right? Yeah. That tile design. And when we're designing really higher technology, tiles, we look at and we go, hmm. Is tile the right one? Right. And, and there's a whole mm-hmm. toolbox of things that we use to create great software.
0: Mm-hmm. Tiles
1: are only one thing.
0: Tiles like the lazy one that you do when you can't figure out how to organize the layout, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. And so
1: that's where we're stuck. I, th- I think it's, it's gotten to a real lazy point that mm-hmm. I think the opportunity if to fix that problem is well, I, so there I, I
2: think that it's interesting that you bring up the, the guide uh, the electronic pro- mm-hmm. programming guide EPG it's mm-hmm. called and um, and there's st- still you know a degree of, of channel surfing that people want to do um, once again I think that's also kind of generational you need to give people choice and flexibility and it depends on what they're watching what they're in the mood for right. so and what's the beauty of internet, you know, delivered content, is that you can layer it. Totally. You know, and you can give people start off with one thing with the tiles, mm-hmm. which are beautiful, mm-hmm. and they showcase the content thumbnails and whatnot. But if pe- and,
1: and self-playing trailers.
2: And, oh, I hate that. that. That drives me crazy. That's my pet peeve. Uh, right, the self-playing right, right. trailers that you can't control, you can't mute them. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, you could you could control them a little bit more on your lap on on a mm-hmm. computer, but not not on television. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that drives me crazy. No, totally. But, uh, yeah, I mean, UX and the experience is going to become more important. There's going to be more, more
0: waiting on it they are going oh, to have in their portfolio I heavily rely on favoriting. I, I well yeah. that's that's yeah, yeah. what pros the question, right? So um if I watch something end to end, a show on on Netflix, whatever is recommended based on that, I watch that mm-hmm. cuz I don't want to navigate through the app. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that yeah.
2: customization leads to stickiness, yeah. which is going to be very important retention and mm-hmm. you know making, you know, making sure that people don't leave the fold. Um, is going to be a major issue for these streaming services. It already is. I mean, Churn, churn, Subscriber Churn, it's called, is a major issue that they're all contending with, making things a little more customized or customizable. Yeah. uh, How hard
0: is it to, like, have a toggle between, like, a list and a card? I would love for them to do that, you know, if I could have, like, a list of my favorites instead of cards. I know what the the media tile looks like. Mm -hmm, I just want to look for it fast, you know?
1: Yeah, and I, I th- but, but there's there's such a wide spectrum because I think if if you turned Netflix into a list view, right, you got to, you have a whole generation that would never ever be able to, to right. navigate that ever. I'm
0: not saying all of it. I'm saying like mm-hmm. look at it like a dashboard, right? Where maybe the maybe the top part is like cards that things that you should watch or things that are being featured, mm-hmm. right? Maybe like a section that you love is on the left side and it's like a list. And the next side is like, I don't know, something else. Well, I think you know? they're, they're doing a degree of that. It's almost like the camera when you used to take a picture on your iPhone. It, was go, it would go, right? And then right. eventually it's like, do we really need that? Right. No one knows what that means anymore. But yeah. I appreciate those things, the scomorphism of it or whatever yeah. it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. For the record, Tree is an amazing designer. Uh, and I am very, I'm a very experienced designer. So anybody who's listening who wants to have a team design <laughs> the next-gen interface, we would be more than happy to jump in and do it. <laughs> I'm just just a little plug for ourselves. No
0: problem. <laughs> We're problem solvers first, you know.
1: So let's let's move a little bit onto the future here a little bit, because how do you think, let's say, ten years? And that's really hard to predict nowadays. But ten years is a lot. How do you think things like AR and VR? How is that going to affect all of this embarrassment of riches?
2: You know, if you would have asked me this question maybe a year or two ago, I would have definitely said, you know, AR and VR is going to be big and, and a big component. I'm not so sure. Hmm. Um, it's kind of stalled in some ways, yeah. um, which is confusing. And I'm not I'm not quite sure why it might be, you know, it's just too expensive to produce or not enough demand or I'm not sure exactly. But, um, you know, I think there, there will be elements of that i don't know that it's going to be that uh groundbreaking uh i think it's all about you know content ultimately good storytelling is it does it serve the story is it is it Mm. is it gimmicky just to do it or is it going to help tell the story and and you know create a more immersive story
0: the integration of of the technology right
2: so um i don't know I personally think, and, and this is why I launched Cablecord. I think that people are going are slowly becoming more, and I'm talking about now the mainstream consumer because you know there's about um, there's about 75% of the U.S. households that still you know watch TV in the traditional way via a cable, satellite, or telco subscription. Um oh, you know, and 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 still have that. Um, a lot of them are also streaming, but I think that people are slowly getting religion. They haven't fully embraced the power that they now have, and they're a little confused by it and they're overwhelmed. that's that's what I think is going to happen. I think people are going to become more empowered. And there's going to be a tremendous amount of churn
0: in, in and out of, of streaming apps. Absolutely. You're pushing the users to expect more from their cable providers.
2: Not, not just their cable. Yes, their cable providers, but also streaming services as right. well, too. And, um, you know... Because I think eventually people are going to say, you know, I'm streaming 90% of the time of what I'm watching. I'm not watching it on live TV. I think that there comes a point where they realize this, and They've there's going to be a mass, mm-hmm. you know, exodus from the traditional model. Um, but uh, I think even more so, I think people are going to. Uh, Once they figure out they have that control, then they're going to really ramp it up, and then they're going to be in and out of these streaming services Mm -hmm. based on, you know, seasonality, what's going on in their in their lives. If it's Mm -hmm. summer vacation, they want to turn off three or four services because they know they're going to be traveling, and you know, there's just going to be all these elements that will trigger churn, and people will take advantage of that.
1: The last year I was at Sundance, they started showing off their VR. They started to have an entire section that is nothing but uh, VR uh, as, as part of the festival, which I thought was very fascinating. And and as you're looking at people doing that, I think what you said about it, it comes down to storytelling. So let me let me throw this out. Gaming is bigger than film, television, books, music combined, right? It is such a massive medium. And I think what you're seeing with things like like Pokemon Go, for instance, where it's actually a location-based, but you're still interacting with the technology. Um, and they just released a Harry Potter one. So people are starting to have storytelling storytelling events, storytelling interaction based not on front of a television, but as they walk around. And I think, I think there's something to that. I think th- what's missing is the medium f- to, to do it. Because if you think about uh, glasses which is really the only way you could do really effective AR. Um, They're just not there yet. They're being Mm -hmm. developed, but they're not Mm -hmm. there yet. But just take this scenario, for instance. Theater is a three-dimensional activity. Television and film is a two-dimensional activity. And so a lot of what's happening now in pure storytelling from kind of the cutting edge uh, is they're thinking about it from a three-dimensional standpoint. So if you could go to a place within the city and with vr glasses on and watch a pixar part of that story play out just you know they could section off a section and then you stand there and you could watch this almost like a play but 100 digital and that it could do there's there are ways that and that breaks us out of the Mm two-dimensional box that Mm -hmm. you have to watch that's
2: fascinating but
1: things like that with storytelling where you can wander around the city and experience different things. I think is 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 another part yeah. of this this is fascinating and if you get networks involved in network budgets they could still sponsor a lot of this stuff and they could set these things up in any city that they wanted to. Yeah.
2: I mean, I think you're right in that and bringing up gaming and, you know, stuff like Pokemon and and Fortnite, mm-hmm. you know. For- yeah, you know, where where it, it's this this world and this interactive world. I, I definitely agree that there's going to be a, bl- a blending sort of, you know, mm-hmm. it depends on the context. Continuity of the
0: experience. Yeah, yeah. and it,
2: it depends on the context and what that what that person is, is looking to do at that moment. Are they looking mm-hmm. to engage? Or are they looking to, you know, relax? Um, you know, I know I speak to my, my nephew who's 16, and he's already moved on from Fortnite to another mm-hmm. thing that I don't, I'm not even aware of. But um, he doesn't really Let's watch, get him on the show. We he doesn't get him watch on. television. He doesn't yeah. watch movies. He doesn't watch television. He'll watch you know clips on YouTube. He'll watch you know stuff on YouTube. But um, yeah, this, the newer, the younger folks, uh, this is a whole, you know, it's open for debate.
1: I will say going to a movie is starting to become more and more, it's starting to feel more and more antiquated. <laughs> and I love movies. Uh, I have
2: uh, honestly, I used to love going to the movies. I haven't been to a movie theater in a few years. I only go
1: I, for big tent movies, like like the Marvel movies. I'll go see those. And that's really the only thing. Like, going to see, I was thinking about this the other night, going to see just like a rom-com in the theater. not for
0: me anymore. Yeah, yeah I,
2: I would rather watch it on my couch and yeah. wait, you yeah. know, wait a little bit. And nothing really motivates me that much mm-hmm. to get me into <laughs> the theater.
0: Absolutely, yeah.
1: So let's talk about networks. But I'm
2: old so, you know. No, I I am
1: too. <laughs> I am too, but I think there's there's this there's the hockey stick of yeah. adoption of technology that we all have to figure out. Like being an old person, I know that in 5, 10 years, the world is not going to look the same. Right, right. And so you have to adapt, right?
2: That being said, I would pay a premium to watch something that's in the movies on, you know, on pay-per-view or, you know, yeah. Eight- on uh, uh, you know on a on, on a transactional basis. Mm-hmm. And um and, and they're experimenting with that. Independent phones are starting to do that. that. Yeah, and right. I love that they're doing that. And I, I would def- I definitely think it's worth it to not have to Um, It ends up
0: being totally worth it. Do I want to sit in a theater with strangers and be subjected to this time frame of not being able to pee for a whole hour, you know, (laughs) or can I just buy it on Amazon for 15 bucks and everyone can watch it for the next 24 hours? I
2: don't understand why there's not more of that. I mean, but I mean, I think people legitimately pay a a massive premium for that.
1: Yeah. I I mean, I, I like going to go see a big IMAX screen with amazing sound. That still is worth it now mm-hmm. that they have the lounge chairs and stuff like that. Yeah, but Decal, I guess that, what that's
2: the, that's what's combating it. Is, yeah. is you know trying to make right. the, the theater experience more and more premium.
1: Right.
0: The food at Alamo Draft House that theater right. that's awesome. I went to that for um rich crazy crazy rich Asians uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. and it was just like an out of the box experience. Oh wow. Yeah. Got and food drinks. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. And another
1: thing that Alamo does, which is really interesting in all of their stuff, is they don't play trailers or trivia before the show what they do is they find other media and other content to get you into the mood of the movie mm-hmm. so like for instance i think I curated went, i go i go see a lot of things well, like captain captain america for instance i remember uh, one of the first times i went there i saw captain america and they had all the 1940s 50s like comic books, and mm-hmm. they had all the bad versions of it from the seventies, and they were they were doing it to create the atmosphere. So they're
2: reinventing, right, the theater experience, which I think it, it needed yeah. to be recreated.
1: But yeah. television can't do that, mm-hmm. right? The, Yet the atmosphere, Yet. you they, the the you, the big boys don't have that much control over the atmosphere.
2: Well, I mean, the atmosphere being your home, mm-hmm. right? But uh, I think that there. They have control of the UX, right? To make yeah. the UX better, mm-hmm. which could, you know, help supplement. And I think there there's some things around the edges. I think Amazon has um, X-ray. It's mm-hmm. called X-ray technology, mm-hmm. where um, when you're watching something, um, you know, it, it it'll or and you pause it or you, you hover over it, it'll show you this the the, the cast and mm-hmm. what, what yeah, else yeah, they're yeah, in yeah. and okay. whatnot. So. I think there's some interactivity, you know, that's Mm -hmm. being played with. And I think there's a a lot of potential. I think
0: similarly, um, I don't really like rom-coms very much, but sometimes I'll watch them when friends are over. And then the ads start getting curated, on Hulu specifically, get Mm -hmm. curated towards what's happening in the show. And it's, Mm -hmm. like, kind of annoying because then it'll follow my IP address and it'll take it to my work computer, and I don't like that. Mm -hmm. But... um, but I think it is kind of cool that they, they kind of know that a female might be watching, and now I'm going to show you all these female-oriented ads versus, like, I'm wondering what a, a, a male would see. You know? Right, right. I don't know how I feel about that. I'm a little offended, but, you know. <laughs> I mean, I,
2: I'm a marketer at heart, so to yeah, me yeah. that's targeted marketing. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's not, you know, I, I, I it could be creepy. You mm-hmm. know, it could go too, too far, but I feel like, you know, you're probably going to be more engaged with an ad that's more relevant to you. Right, so. right. Without crossing over, of course, to that, to that creepy factor, the, you know. The right. target story. Yeah.
1: yeah the, tar- the target story oh, where it yeah. targeted pregnant people before they knew they were pregnant. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: Big mistake.
1: What I find it's really cool. interesting about this, and I talk to a lot of people in, in this industry, I think there's a sense of we don't know what's coming.
0: I think that's great.
1: Yeah. And I, I think, think that's it's, fascinating. It's, I think it's that's really,
0: magical almost, it's right?
2: o- It's mm-hmm. open, you know, what do they call it? Blue sky. It's yeah, blue yeah. Blue sky time. And there's so much opportunity. Everything's on the table. Um, You know, but that doesn't mean you can't borrow from themes or, you know, UX elements or capabilities from other other areas that that have worked there right. so it's it's not up on know, the
0: tailcoats a little bit you know yeah it doesn't yeah. have
2: to be a complete upheaval it could be you know let's cherry pick what yeah. works what doesn't work what let's experiment so i think it's great it's a very exciting time
1: well let me ask you one last question um this has been great uh it was something that i saw an article and i just remembered it as you were talking uh I think I believe it was Comcast starts is starting to have an eye movement based uh navigation mm-hmm. for um people that don't have control of their hands and I think they're specifically Lou Gehrig's disease mm-hmm. uh people that they were testing this out with. That is interesting to me because what what concerns me about that is one uh, in, in doing software design there we have plenty of software that, that tracks eye movement right right and you get your heat maps and stuff like yeah. that How, using that for for television is fascinating but there's one part of the technology is if it's to that level that means there is a camera there is something that's watching
2: mm-hmm.
1: is there is from a network standpoint the only way that they're going to be able to deliver the kind of advertising that tree was just talking about is more and more into intrusion into our privacy. Well,
2: I mean, I, I'm so glad you brought this up because I feel like we just, we missed talking about voice
1: yeah. Too, yeah, yeah right?
2: Yeah. Which is is very similar in that there's this sort of uh, interactivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you're taking it one step further. It's like beyond voice, you know, just looking, you know, show, show me that <laughs> that yeah. I'm looking at. Um, I don't know if it's a camera. I'm, I'm not sure, you know, exactly how that would mm-hmm. that would work. But um, there, and people are concerned about voice and, and you know, things listening in and, and recording and,
0: mm-hmm. and being held, stuff. you know, right.
2: somewhere in, in, in the cloud. Um, and that, who knows when it can come back mm-hmm. <laughs> and whatnot. So I, I definitely think, you're touching on a very touchy thing yeah you know and i think customization and ease of use you know are there's a there's an exchange right for for that for that ease you're giving up a bit of control mm-hmm. and you're giving up a little privacy perhaps and you know I think the market will show what people have tolerance for and if it's too much you know people will back off of it and I think it's it's we're we're coming to terms with, yeah. with it
1: so how we end every show is I um, i should throw you a really heavy question and that is Boy. and it doesn't have to be involved with television just in life, in general, the the premise behind this show it was the concept that um, people are starting to look towards the future, especially in television and in media. And it's always this dystopian future where the whole world has fallen apart and it's awful. And to the point that uh, we were reading an article where millennials don't even feel like they need to save money because they don't think the world is going to survive. Oh my goodness. So there's a mentality of that the world is not going to survive. And so part of the idea behind this podcast was let's talk to people who are excited about the future. Let's talk about things that, you know, people that are out there and they're doing things and they're, and they're thinking the magic, in new the ways. inspiration. Yeah. yeah. So when you think about the future, and it, it could be 10 years, 100 years, what's something that, that makes you kind of really excited? What, what would be the one thing you would like to see?
2: I would like to see, and what I think is happening, and I think it scares people, is And it does touch on television, too. Choice. Mm. Choice and choices. And people get overwhelmed and it's scary. Um, But I think it's fantastic. And I think that uh, the more choice, the better. And it's great for consumers, it's great for, you know, our, our lives. I mean, I've read The Paradox of Choice. Mm. I, I know that very well, that choice can become, you know, unbearable, too much choice. But I think where the opportunity comes, and that's, you know, once again, where cobble cord comes in, is being able to help people navigate that choice in a smart way that's intuitive and and um interactive and takes into account you know <clears throat> their their needs and 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 their directional um asks I think that that provides tremendous opportunity in in every industry and for me you know the the television mm-hmm. you know and entertainment space and media is is closest to my heart but I can see that sort of carrying over across the board and and you know and and I think it just, it uh, can create lots of opportunities for sm- smart uh, companies to come in, usually not incumbents, by the way, <laughs> it's usually upstarts who come in and kind of say, okay, there's all this new stuff, how do we, how do we wrangle it, how do we, uh, and, and that to me is, is really exciting.
1: Revisions is produced in association with Donatone. Production design by Grayson Scott. Gosh, that's swell.